Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cozy Podcast. Uh, we're continuing our Cozy Podcast Challenge with yet another story from 2020. Uh, today's guest, we have Farhan from uh, Toronto. He, uh, him and I worked uh, together back in Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment uh, as supervisors. It's been actually a little while since we've had a chance to catch up, so thought that this would be actually be pretty cool because a uh, genuine conversation of just catching up. Um, that's basically what this podcast stands for real people, real conversations, uh, and just connecting with people again. It's kind of really cool to have it. But uh, without further ado, uh, Farhan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here, man. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I haven't chat with you in, in, in a while. Uh, I think we, and actually, if I'm thinking about it, I don't think we really even ever hung out outside of work. We kind of always really saw each other at work and then maybe out for drinks afterwards or maybe a party or something like that. But Really nothing more than that, I don't think. Yeah, you know, but working at MLSC, our life was work. So we were there most of the time. So uh, it was still a good time. I still had a yeah. great getting to know you. Um, I know we connect a lot over social media, though. Uh, we yeah, we talk a lot through there, for sure. Have a lot of the same opinions, fight the same good fight, all that stuff. Yeah. No, no, man. Really happy to have you on here. Uh, cause we just to catch up. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive into it. So just first, um, just tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do a little bit about you so we can understand who, who Farhan is. My name is Farhan Rahman. I uh, live in Brampton, Ontario. It's a little bit outside of uh, Toronto, Ontario, considered the GTA as yeah. most, uh, most would. Um, I am a guy who lives to eat. I love food. <laughs> As all of us do. <laughs> I love movies, um, sports, especially. Um, I'm an RBC reconciliation analyst um, working for the bank. And I've also picked up a side position at Home Depot. I'm an appliance specialist as well. It's not right. as, as not as sex sexy as a lot <laughs> of other things, but um, you know, it does the job. Uh, it's an honest living. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a general wrap up of who I am. As we first meet me, I'm yeah. just a, I'm just a guy that loves to eat, loves to watch sports and movies and just likes to enjoy the moment yeah. uh, more so than anything else. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. So then, and then just to give you an, so I guess just to give an idea, obviously um, RBC is a bank just so for people who don't know, obviously um, we have some listeners from uh, plenty of different countries that I've uh, gone across. So there's a lot of connections of mine that follow and we're probably following from different countries. So RBC uh, Royal bank of Canada um, is uh, one of the, I think three or four major banks in, uh, in Canada and, yep. uh, and then home Depot for people who don't know what that is. Home Depot is basically like a Rona or uh, you know, those type of like home hardware type uh, shops basically. Yeah. Specialty hardware store. Uh, yeah. You know, it's the largest retailer in North America. And that's something I learned when I, when I joined their team. The largest retailer, even in, in, in the United States, in the United States. Oh, wow. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. You would I think mean, that, you know, Walmart or something. Yeah. Uh, but it's, but Home Depot's up there. I think they like interchangeable now. Yeah. Basic essentials though, I guess. And then yeah. obviously Actually, one thing, obviously this is a weird thing to say, but like talking to somebody who works at home at Home Depot, one of the biggest annoyances that I had when I went back over the holidays was I did some uh, landscaping work on my mom's uh, um, lawn and, uh, and soil and put down like the, the rubber, the rubber pellets that are the rubber saw, what are not sawed? What do they call it? The rubber, uh, what are the, what are the pieces of wood that you put down in a, in a garden? Shims. 
Shims? Um, Shims. You know, like the, you put the wood yeah, yeah. to maintain moisture. Anyways, yeah. my mom, my mom wanted us to use rubber because it's black and it looks, makes her house look amazing and whatever. But uh long story short, we bought a whole crap load of bags. And I just remember we went there twice to get massive bags and it was during the pandemic. Right. So uh, in order to pick it up, uh, you guys have that pickup system now where you curbside drive up, pick up. Yeah. curbside pickup and then you yep. drive in. So basically you would drive, you could, uh, you could order online, you could have it set up and then basically you drive in and then you pull into the the parking spot and then you text a number or some shit some and just just as an FYI it's a pain in the ass sometimes second of all you're sitting in the parking spot and then you have to basically wait for somebody to show up which obviously during covid is annoying to the point where i almost got in the line because i was waiting for so damn long to ha- make it yep. happen so i apologize yep. for that for like calling out your employer on that but uh, <laughs> hey man, don't apologize. You know, this pandemic, we had to adopt a lot of new things just across society. I think, uh, right. you know, curbside pickup in Canada. I don't know if like probably in the United States as well. And well, in North America, uh, curbside pickup was a new thing. Delivery is a new thing. You guys do delivery um, in Home Depot now too? Yeah, they do delivery. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. But it's not just, yeah, like, like you can, you can deliver wood. You can deliver just like plumbing pieces. Um, yeah, all that stuff just to keep everything mobile, you know, um, keep less shoppers from inside the store. And now at this point, at the pandemic, uh, the second wave, uh, the store is completely closed. So we only have curbside pickup and we only have delivery. So everything that you want to get that could be essential has to be bought from a screen. Um, right. And you're just gonna have to trust and you're just yeah. gonna have to trust the employees to pick you the right thing. Yeah. I mean, no, very similar, very similar, obviously to very similar to obviously like uh, working from home and which obviously we'll get at in a bit because uh, the bank, the bank, obviously you said that you're working from home. You mentioned that to me already, but um, uh, obviously working from home and then all these kind of new, you know, business things that are being applied because of COVID are in the end are probably going to benefit these companies in the long run because it's uh, teaching them new ways to uh, accommodate their clients. And you don't right. necessarily have to walk into a store, pick it out by hand and then bring it out yourself anymore. Um, certain parts of the fa- of the, of the process can be handled for you. Uh, again, bringing it back to the finish of my story. I basically just, I went there to pick up these bags. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it did not. You had your receipt. You didn't, you, you know, uh, I remember one time, uh, I actually walked into the store, went up to the customer service desk, said, why isn't somebody coming out to us? And then I looked behind the counter and I saw a, uh, basically a, a, a cart with all eight bags of this crap that was just sitting there. And I'm like, that's mine. Can I have it? And, and they're like, no, but blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's mine. Look at my name on it. I have the yep. piece of paper. Please just bring it out, bring it out. And they're like, okay, we'll find somebody for you. I'm like, no, no, just give me the cart. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I'll pay, uh, it's, it's already paid for Just confirm it and take it anyway. So like, that was the end of my story. There was just, I find it funny that uh, I went to home Depot when I went back uh, for my 30th. Uh, and that was, <laughs> that was one of the experiences I had. So I can imagine I can, but I can imagine that there's a lot of people that either a don't know how to use the app that there's a, a B, you know, your staff also have to get used to even having that pickup service because they're not used to it. That's right. Yeah. That was, you know, it's a big challenge because everything is on an app now. Um, and a lot of people are frustrated because it takes a long time to get things, but there is a rudimentary system, uh, just, and this is just a, a glance from the inside 
there's a rudimentary system. Once someone orders, like yourself, orders something, we get the notification on these cell phones that are provided to us uh, that only carry one app. So you can't make any calls or anything on it. Um, we get the order. We go pick it. We have to scan that order and then scan it at the front desk and then right. scan it onto a cart and then yeah. make sure that scan. So like every inch of where that product is, is tracked. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't see why I, I understand why they couldn't just give you your cart yeah. of uh, eight bags because they were literally scanning every single inch of where that was. And it's, it gets, yeah. it gets very tedious and it, yeah. it slows everything down, especially with the traffic that Home Depot faces. Yeah. No. Especially with the traffic that a lot of essential businesses face, right? Right. Because there's so much demand and there is so very little, uh, employees compared to the demand. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of businesses have been facing. Um, yeah. and that's why they like, that's why, you know, curbside pickup wasn't just like a resolute replacement for just in-store shopping. Right. And that's why delivery has been challenging too, for a lot of places, uh, especially fast food places and especially, especially restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I it definitely, like I said, I think there's a lot of businesses that are getting you like, obviously they have to uh, evolve and, and come up with some new uh, procedures and that. And I obviously understand that from somebody who's worked in like hospitality and client service and things like that, you know, you can't always judge from the outside because, you know, you as the client are experiencing one thing, which is obviously a valid, but then obviously there are some steps or hurdles and things like that that you don't see that are behind the scenes. So, well, we're not here to bash uh, Home Depot. I'm actually, no, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Home Depot. It was just experience. I thought that was funny, but yeah, I'm just um, here not to get fined. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That was actually good. Yeah. Um, no, but, and that, um, I'm actually really, I just wanted a little, know a little bit more though about your RBC, um, job. So you, uh, just say that again. So you, what you do and what exactly it is that you do just cause, uh, for me, I, I don't even know. Yeah. I work at Royal bank of Canada, uh, RBC capital markets to be specific. Um, I am a reconciliation analyst. Um, and so basically it's general accounting on various different corporate clients for the end of the month transactions and any other activity that they might do. Uh, if I told you more, I'd have to kill you, but basically, uh, just general, (laughs) just general accounting. Um, I work with a very great team of, uh, five people, uh, that are, you know, entrenched in a larger team and a larger team and a larger team. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's been good. I've been at this position for the last four, four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been interesting. It's been challenging. Uh, but especially with this pandemic, I have to say that, you know, I see a lot of people have some issues working from home, yeah. uh, because they have families and whatnot. I got to admit, man, I, I haven't had a single issue working from home. The biggest right. issues that I would have is probably be technology. And I think that RBC has taken that onus to make sure all their employees are well-equipped with technology to uh, last the long haul of, of working from home. And I think right. working from home is going to be a new thing that's got to stay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to likely become a key component of uh, work culture moving forward. I think there's a lot of companies that are probably like crap. We actually have to provide the ability to work from home now. So I think there's a lot of companies that were out of necessity, they were forced to do it in other words, right. but in other, other circumstances, they definitely would not have allowed it to happen. 
Um, I think that when you bring people into your, your, your establishment or into your company, it usually does create in, in general, I would say it does create more of a, um, a productive kind of atmosphere and it creates that, you know, that work atmosphere that's necessary to, to accomplish things. Yep. But that being said, I would say that, especially when you're looking at mothers and, you know, people in families and things like people who have kids and stuff like that, um, people that have to commute from very far, uh, there's a lot of people that um, could work uh, uh, from abroad and they knew that. And now you look at everything and it's, it's definitely creating more opportunities for people in the future. And there are going to be some employers that are going to have some issues because once this pandemic does kind of die down, go away um, and you know, there's vaccines and things like that. And then now people can actually go back to work. My actual opinion is that there's probably going to be uh, at least one day a week that you can say, I want to work from home, especially if you're a parent, like, you're, you're not going to want to go back to work because you're going to be like, listen, you knew I could accomplish what we needed to do. I agree that I need to come back into the office and they're probably going to end up with, there's going to be a lot of people negotiating, basically saying, listen, I will come into the office three days of the week or four days of the week, but I need one or two of those days to work from home. So that way I can take care of my kids and stuff like that, because, you know, I, I, I want to give them more attention. And I think there's actually, um, just a, a quick side note. I think uh, a couple of countries have already made that stride of creating four day work weeks um, and, and, yeah, and limiting it. I think um, one of them, I think is New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, where they tried to make that, that direction. So I think Nova Scotia in, on, uh, in Canada um, has adopted the four day weekend, uh, four day week. Right. Um, and uh, it'd be great if it was a four day weekend every weekend, you know, <laughs> I mean, um, but I think that, you know what, in places like Ontario and the other provinces in the United States, I think this is a great opportunity and great avenue that we've, sh- that, you know, the entire industry has showcased, right. um, whether it be banking, technology, all that stuff, yeah. all these, um, office jobs have showcased that, you know, working from home is, is, uh, is capable and, yeah. and their employees are capable of being productive, uh, from home because what happens when you work from home is that the hours of nine to five, for example, aren't necessarily the same hours that you'd be working. Um, And I think anybody who's really working from home would admit that, that sometimes you work a little bit past five, uh, you sign a little bit later, you take a little bit of a longer lunch, you can do things and be productive at home while equitably balancing the work that you have for your employer. Um, And I, just based off of my experience at RBC, I would say that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of our, a lot of our teams and RBC's productivity hasn't gone down because of the work from home. I'd actually say that a lot of people have been working harder. Uh, they've been working a little bit longer, but everything is being done to completion. Everything is being done with enhanced details because there is an element of, um, the commuting and the, and the traveling just to get to work and to be in that environment and to settle yeah. yourself down and then, and then get to work and then not being able to finish a lot. Cause you know, you got to catch a train and go home. Yeah. Here's an opportunity where, you know, when you're working, you can divide a hundred percent of your attention to the work that you do. Cause you're at home, you're in comfort, everything's within reach. Right. And it really, for a lot of people, I, from what I've seen, it's elevated their work from home sense. You know, they've enjoyed it a little bit more because there's comfort, right? And there's an understanding. And then it shows that the employer trusts you to work from home as well. 
Well, there are some, I would say there's definitely pros and cons to working from home. Um, yeah. natural, I think natural pros are obviously what I just mentioned, which is flexibility in order to, you know, avoid commuting, um, you know, go straight from breakfast, right to the office, you know, uh, rolling out of bed at eight 45, starting at 9. AM. I know, I, I guarantee you all of us have done that during this pandemic for sure. It's, um, it's a beautiful <laughs> feeling. <laughs> if you're, if you're a lazy person, like we are, yes, absolutely. Um, I I've, I've changed my habits now. I'm up at 6am usually every morning now. And now I, and, and I, I think that what that does is especially going and starting at 9am that actually gives you, you know, a good three hours in the morning, which, you know, for me at least, uh, where I can do whatever I want. I can go for a run. I can create, I can make breakfast. I can clean my apartment. I can do whatever I need to do. So there is the pros on obviously on all that, when it comes to, you know, flexibility, you know, um, even prepping dinner, like at lunchtime or even near the end of the day, you can start, you know, prepping dinner, having things going, especially if you have like your family in that. Um, but there's definitely, I think there's also some cons to the work from home as well, because, um, as you just said, you know, the, the self accountability of completing work is a little bit more trust from the employer. Um, and it's not to say that trusting your employees isn't something you know, everyone should be able to trust their employees to do that. But naturally think about it. If you have a, um, what's that from a nine to nine to five, that's an eight hour day, maybe an hour or two hours is lunch during the day. So six hours and you're sitting in front of the, you're in the exact same environment. You're not having any dynamics at all. You're not having people that are, you're talking to. Uh, I know during the pandemic, there was a period of time during the lockdown that I, I didn't even leave my apartment for three weeks. Uh, I had enough groceries and I didn't, go anywhere. didn't leave my apartment, didn't do anything. I just worked. Um, plus also what you just kind of mentioned, which is like the accidental flow past the time, meaning like if you start at nine, you're fine. But if you're working and you're into your work, which I think is fine. If you're into your work and you just kind of forget at the time, you can easily look up and be like, crap, it's seven o'clock already. I probably should start doing something or, you know, making dinner or, you know, And I think that's one of the, I would say that's definitely the balance. It's just a new way of working that people are going to have to adapt to. And, um, I think it will make things a lot easier on people, but that definitely has that accountability factor where you kind of have to draw the lines of when you start and when you finish. Cause if you don't, then you run into that issue where maybe you're working even longer hours than you would if you were in the office, you know, like it's easier when the bank closes at five. Uh, let's say 5 p.m. or 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever bank you have. Obviously, hours are different. RBC is actually one of the more annoying hours compared to TD. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, because obviously TD is well known for that very, very late hours that they have. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, it's 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 interesting. I, I'm So for you, just from working from home, you actually, have you felt like it's been productive working for uh, RBC or do you feel like it's been better or worse on, on your work or how do you, how do you think that's affected you? I think it's been better. Um, productivity for me has, um, you know, hasn't changed much. I'm still be able, I'm still able to be productive at work. Um, and you know, communicating with my team, my team is great. Um, where it's a very flowy conversation all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. every time we're discussing new projects, I mean, we've dealt with two new projects. Um, okay. that was a bit of a challenge because not everyone is together right? Uh, and everything is delayed because we're from all different parts of the world actually. Right. Um, so that was a little bit challenging, but other than that, you know, we were able, because I think we just work together well as a team. And I think the culture that RBC has provided has tried to ensure collaborative, uh, 
work lives. Um, and I think we were able to, you know, successfully integrate a lot of new things. Uh, personally, however, I think working from home has helped a lot because I think a lot of my beef with myself in 2020 <laughs> and 2019 and the years before, I'd say was finding a good balance. Of, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, personal responsibility, mental health, physical health, personal relationships. Right. When, um, you know, when I'm working at RBC, most of my time, you know, most of my time was at work and yeah. I was able to d- dedicate a lot of time to physical health, for example, and that right. deteriorated slowly. And it really took a toll at the beginning of 2020, you know, when yeah. you start noticing it, when you put most of your energy into one thing and you exhaust yourself yeah. as you're commuting back home and then you exhaust yourself, you don't want to do anything else. And, yeah. and, and I think that's a, what happened to a lot of people. And I think with work from home, uh, it gave everyone that opportunity to now be able to focus on themselves a little bit more, yeah. you know, whether it's trying a new diet exercising more, reconnecting yep. with your family a little bit more now that you're home. Yeah. Just appreciating everyone's time and all the times that we've lost and all the times that we've taken for granted that when, you know, we just pass by somebody at the subway or, or, or whatnot, and you just right. say, hi, hello. Yeah. There's just some moments that a lot of people I think have taken for granted. I know I can say personally for myself, I definitely have in my relationships with my friendship and my, and my, with my friends and my family. Um, it's something that you cherish a little bit more now that that you're home and you can spend more time with them and, and, you know, reconnect and, right. And, and being able to reconnect with everybody virtually versus being, you know, reconnecting in person. I think there's an increase in reconnection with all my friends. Uh, look, Mm. for example, here I am on your podcast. Yeah, man. Um, you know, and I think, I think working from home has been great in that sense that it allows a little bit of personal accountability and flexibility. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Cause like when you have that space and that ability to kind of have a, a comfort of mind, like, I mean, it doesn't make difference, but for some people, a commute can be two hours. A commute can yeah. be, you know what I mean? Um, for some people that transition from one to the other from energy is you might be energetic to go to work when you're walking out the door. But then by the time you arrive at work, you're like, uh, why work, you know, like, That's so, right. so I'm, yeah, I agree with you. And then definitely just to touch upon what you just mentioned, um, I would definitely say that, um, relationships have been huge. Uh, um, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times in some conversations, um, from the podcast already, but one of the things that we discuss, uh, I was discussing was, um, that, you know, your relationships at home, there have been a lot that have been under pressure cookers. So, you know, like those who are recently married, recently had kids, um, living with their parents or, um, with a, you know, you know, maybe you just live with your wife and usually you need your space from your wife or your, or your husband, and you're not getting that space because you're basically forced into a space. So definitely a lot of people have been forced into situations that they never thought they would need to, they would ever, sorry, they never thought that they would be in. But that being said, I think a lot of us uh, have had to look inside. And as you said, you know, from an internal way and kind of think, okay, you know, is this, you know, I love this person, you know, uh, these are my kids. Uh, I can, I have this time, you know, I can get to know them. I can, um, for me, I know that for me during the pandemic, one of the biggest things that I embraced was, um, 
day to day, I was spending tons of time on social media. So what I tried to do is I tried to every once in a while, just reach out to those Facebook messenger, um, uh, actives, you know, like sometimes you'll get a person, I think I've seen your name a few times where it pops up. It says, you know, far in and, uh, has the green circle and you're like, Oh, they're active. I'm like, Oh, I haven't talked to that person in ages. And that's usually how we have our chats. And then yep. same goes for like a few other people. Um, just trying to keep involved and discussing with people because nowadays, you know, we have the benefits. There are obviously a lot of negatives and cons to uh, technology and social media as well. But one of the big ones, like positive things is I can live halfway across the world and still keep in contact and keep in touch and maintain good relationships with a lot of different people in different countries. So I think that's definitely a spoilage. And I mean, the fact that you just mentioned that you've worked with a few people on some projects that are in different parts of the world. I know that the job that I'm doing currently, we're managing across a bunch of different countries in in Europe. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting kind of how that dynamic is kind of, it's been difficult, but it's also created kind of a new, this is how much time you maybe should be spending maybe a little bit more time with your family and your friends and your relationships and focusing on those. And it really kind of shows you what's important to you and what you need to be. And yeah, I, I completely agree. You know what? For all the conspiracy theorists that are probably might, might listen to your listen to your podcast here, uh, you know, working from home and connecting virtually really shows the the reaches of globalization and the integration of the world and the mm. one world government. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's crazy. That, um, for me, I can definitely say that for me, and I've mentioned this many times. This year has been massive for me, uh, growing throughout the year, um, living in a completely different country and being living on my own and, and not really having anybody for social support or things like that. You know, I have a few colleagues from work that I'll see occasionally, but in reality, I was very, very isolated and on my own. And I think there's a lot of people that felt like that. Now, one thing that I gained from it was that I kind of was, it's kind of like being put into a corner and you're all by yourself and you have nothing to do. I kind of was like, okay, well, there's nowhere, like I'm at my bottom right now. I'm at the the very bottom. So there's nowhere for me to go, but up, you know, there's nowhere for me to do, but, to, but improve. So, you know, I started doing some group sessions for trip for, um, for um, mentorship. I started, I, I brought on a personal development coach, which was one of my episodes from episode two. Um, I enlisted, um, I think I've had three or four different personal trainers this year, started with two at the beginning of the pandemic. And then ended up changing later on to another one and then changed to another one that I'm on now. And it, the only reason for that was just because, you know, as the, as your understanding of fitness changes, certain relationships with that trainer, that person kind of change and you want something different out of that relationship. Um, another guy who he's a trainer, he, he, he's one of the podcast episodes I did as well. He mentioned, he's like, you know, it's however you want, it's who you want around for you. So I just found that it was a lot of time for personal growth and personal development. It's definitely one of the themes of the year. Um, so yeah, the 2020 has been quite a growth thing for me. What about you? I mean, you mentioned obviously at the beginning of the year, obviously the beginning of 2020 was quite interesting, but um, give us an idea about your story. Are we coming into like, how was your 2020 when you started off the year, you were working both jobs. So you'd already had two jobs. And then like, was there anything special that happened in the first three months or was it really when the pandemic hit in March that things kind of really hit the fan? Like give us an idea of the, of the year. You know, I got to admit the beginning of the year in 2020 was a little bit challenging for myself, um, balancing two jobs. Right. Um, 
you know, I'd be commuting from Toronto to Brampton and then Brampton to Home Depot all in one day. And that would exhaust me a lot. And in that time, and first, first couple of months when the coronavirus wasn't even a, a thought in our minds in January, um, I've noticed, you know, that really hurt a lot of relationships and like, because I just didn't have time for anything else and, and my physical health as well. Um, and then the pandemic hit and everything changed, like literally everything changed. And I was working from home. Home Depot was closed. I had a leave of absence because I didn't want to expose myself to the coronavirus. Right. Um, at that time, there's a lot of fear going around with that. Uh, also because, you know, I have a, you know, immunocompromised mother at home. Yeah. Don't want to, I don't want to expose her to any potential exposure for that. Uh, it's been personally, I think 2020 and the time that I've had to myself, um, and I've had a lot of time to myself right. because of the isolation, the quarantines, um, has been about self-realization and, yep. and, and just reflecting on myself, um, through all my years, all the actions and where it's led me to, to this day, what I want to accomplish realistically and how I want to live realistically. Yeah. It really changed my perspective on how do I want to live? Do I want to be stuck, you know, here at the same spot constantly? And, yeah. and, and, and it took me a moment. I applaud a lot of the risk takers out there that are out there like yourself, Ryan moving, moving to a new country, traveling all around Europe, as I can see Australia. I think you went to Australia once. Yeah. I was in Australia back in 2018. Yeah. That like, when I see that kind of things, it's really motivating. It's really inspiring because it really gives me a sense of confidence to, you know, travel in 2018, you you went to Australia and like, I was watching that and all your posts and everything. And it looked incredible. And I took a trip out to uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and it was a great time. It was a great time. Um, is your girlfriend Portuguese? She is Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's the line here? Cause I was like, how did he go? And why would he go to Portugal out of all places? The only reason is because you have a Portuguese girlfriend. It's also very cheap and, and very inexpensive to eat and do things there, but it yeah. was a great time. It was a great time. You know, originally yeah. I was going to go to uh, Spain and I went with a good buddy of mine, a buddy that I've played baseball with for years on now. Yeah. Uh, and now we just play rec men's rec sports just to make ourselves feel young again and, and whatnot. Right. Um, and it was a great time. And it's funny enough that my girlfriend and I, uh, we met each other in Toronto and I kid you not, coincidentally, we ran into each other in Lisbon, Portugal. She was traveling Spain and Portugal, Portugal at that time with her friend. Oh, no kidding. I kid you not. And I was walking down Alfama in Lisbon right, with my friend looking for a place to eat. And we just need literally just needed to find a bathroom after a couple, a couple of cervezas, you know, <laughs> We really needed to find a bathroom. I turned the corner. I kid you not. I bumped right into her. And at that time we weren't dating. And I just thought it was incredible. Like, oh my God, we, we saw each other in a completely different country. Yeah. And the next two nights we spent like hanging out with uh, her and her friend, came back to Toronto and started dating. And yeah, dope. And it was was incredible. That was in 2018. That was near Ah, the end of 2018 going into 2019. Yeah. We spent a great year together. And then, you know, 
in 2020, she's a nurse and she's a healthcare professional. Right. Um, it's the pandemic hit and like a lot of things have changed. Our relationship has changed significantly. We saw le- much less of each other. Yeah. Um, she was always in danger for the, from the coronavirus. Like it was like she was in a high exposed area all the time. Right. Dealing with the stresses of being a medical professional at this time. Um, and just the dynamic types of patients that they see. Um, it's been tough and her longer hours and we haven't really saw a lot of each other. And that was especially draining mentally because you miss the people you love. Yeah, man. And, and in 2020 at the beginning, it, what really challenged me was to get a hold of my mental health. Um, because so often did I realize that I relied on, on personal relationships that I've had for my mental health. Yeah. I would bounce, I would bounce things off of other people and hoping that, you know, I could absorb it back again, a refined version of myself, these thoughts, these ideas and all this stuff that I was never really confident in myself until 2020 hit. I think if there's one thing I could take away is gaining confidence in myself and gaining confidence in my ideas, ambitions, but most of the time. And, and when I had this time that was absent from, from, from my girlfriend, Julia, her name's Julia. Yeah. Um, the time that I've had away from her and, and, and all, and time I've had away from my friends, I just was an opportunity for me to focus on my mental health and try to become stronger. Yeah. Eventually we, we know we were able to see each other a couple times and every now and then we had to social distance most of the time. Right. But you know, and then the summer hit during the pandemic and it seemed like coronavirus wasn't even, wasn't yeah. even a thing. We are down to like 33 cases a day. Right. Um, and it all seemed good again. We spent a lot of time. We went on a lot of hikes, really nice. connected, try to connect with nature um, and appreciate that kind of stuff. But it was tough. It was really difficult because it seemed in February and the end of February, March, April, May, that there was no end in sight, you know? And well, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look just gloomy, you know, seasonal depression was in. Um, and it was so tough. I mean, I think, I think that's why summer, I think that's why summer felt a lot better too, is because there was obviously there was sun, things were opening up a little bit. Um, yep. selfishly, I think the governments were looking for a little bit of tourism money. Um, so I think that the governments very likely would have closed if it wasn't summer, meaning if it was reversed, yep. it was the winter. I mean, you look at winter, we basically locked down for the holidays. Almost in every country, there was lockdowns um, yep. because they knew what was going to happen. Everyone was going to get together inside of houses, out away from the cold, um, and they were going to they were going to spread things, right? So yep. the summer, the summer was kind of like an excuse to not care about COVID and forget about it. The problem is, is how many people got sick because of that? We don't know, yep. right? We d- we don't know how that would have spread. But um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting that you're saying. Um, Obviously having a, a, nur- a nurse girlfriend, that's definitely huge, huge because um, especially with your mom being immunocompromised, you know, I, I don't know if anybody knows this, but I'm actually immunocompromised as well. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the biggest things to, to, be- to challenge about that is like, well, first of all, you don't want to take any unnecessary risk. That's the first thing. So uh, I can speak on behalf of probably like your mom, you know, you don't want to go out if you don't need to, because you're like, yeah. Okay. Maybe I won't get sick, but you're like, okay, I want to avoid that. And then on top of that, if you have a girlfriend who's, you know, nurse and stuff like that, it's probably very easy for you to 
contract it and give it. And I know that my mom was freaking out all the time because, you know, I would go and meet with a few friends when I was home over July. Um, and so did my sister. She was out and kind of spending time with her friends and stuff like that. And my mom was scared shitless because she's like, you're going to bring it home. It's going to end up on me. I'm 60 years old. It's going to get me sick. I'm going to die. You know, she definitely blew it a little bit out of proportion, but she had justified comments and justified things, right? Like, so absolutely. But I, I definitely understand when it comes to the immunocompromised, that's one of the reasons why I spent three weeks inside. Cause I was like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I could go out and maybe I could go do things, but it's like, we should, we're not supposed to. And I think a lot right. of people, there've been a lot of people that are like that. They're like, listen, no, you have to stay home. You see that little video. There was like a little Italian, a little Italian boy that was like, he's like, yeah. Uh, he's like, okay, we'll go outside and sit on the deck. He's like, it's a fucking lockdown. If it's a fucking <laughs> lockdown, you stay yeah. in the fucking side. And yeah. it's like, and it's like this little kid basically telling Jimmy his Kimmel. mom. Yeah. yeah. It was hilarious. And yeah. it's like, but like, that's what I mean is a lot of people, a lot of people are like, no, 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 it's fine. I can go outside. I can do this. And, and I understand those people because it's like, you can't let, you can't let the circumstances run your life. But at the same time yeah. as well, it's like, no, like that kid was very right. It's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a fucking lockdown, which means, don't spread it around. We need to stay together. The cases are too high. Now, obviously that's going to open a big conspiracy comment about whether or not the lockdowns and the, you know, the frequent lockdowns were even necessary because some people are justifying it saying that it's too much and it's, it's forcing people. And it's obviously creating a a clear distortion from big businesses to small businesses and things like that as well. Um, because obviously the small businesses are going under because they don't have that type of money to keep themselves afloat. That's right. Uh, yeah. While as the bigger ones are still hiring, are hiring more people and making even more money because people are grocery, you know, people are selling out a toilet paper. Like, <laughs> so obviously it's, it really made no sense to me. I think a lot of people's reactions to this pandemic really made no sense. Why was toilet paper a thing? Why did that ever happen? I don't understand. Like, Zombie apocalypse. If you have to think of, no, no, but think about it. Think about how, what we, what we, um, what we kind of like as a society. Yeah, yeah, no, but think about our society. What are some of the biggest movies that came out um, over the last few years? You look at like I Am Legend and some of the zombie movies that came out with uh, uh, Michael Cena. Forget what that is, Zombie World or whatever it was. Yeah, Um, Zombieland. Yeah, Zombieland. Um, You you know, there's a few movies that focus. There's also the fact that freaking, What's that movie called? What's that TV show called again? Um, the zombie Walking one? Dead. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm sorry. Neither, um, neither have I. <laughs> but Walking Dead, for example. So like, I think, I think basically, I think what caused that was a fear. I completely agree with it is that fear was definitely a big piece of that. Um, but I think the main reason why people, you know, went and bought a crap load of toilet paper, a crap load of pasta, you know, all of the things that you would need is because they basically thought in their head, you know, apocalypse. So in their mind, they kind of thought like, I'm going to need all of this because I don't know when I'm ever going to leave my house. I think people thought that it was going to be a lockdown for the rest of 2020 in their mind. You know what I mean? Uh, even though, even though everything indicated that wasn't the case, people still kind of had that built in their mind and that was what they were fixed to. Um, but then you also have the complete flip of the coin, which you have, um, (laughs) you have Americans who are just completely just trying to profit and make money off of people. And you see that one yep. guy, you see that one guy who bought every single thing of uh Lysol and wipes and shit like Unbelievable. that. And Unbelievable. And he loads his, he lo- he loaded his, uh, his, um, his garage and his truck. And then the funniest part of it is that it all got repossessed by the government and then Good. repurposed and given out to everybody. That was awesome. That was like just, that was social justice for people. That is but, it. That is but it. The, yeah. But the problem is, is that that's what happens, right? Like it, there are people who are going to try to 
profit off of disaster and profit off of struggle and things like that too. But yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that happen in Canada. I've seen uh, just on Facebook marketplace in the first couple of months, I was looking back at my Facebook messenger asking people why, you know, when you connect to people on Facebook marketplace, why are you selling hand sanitizer like this? And it's like hand sanitizer in plastic bags. It's not even with no label or anything. Bro, they were selling, they were selling toilet paper through Instagram and places like that. Like I saw, I saw people reaching out being like, I got the last roll who wants it. And I was like, Holy crap. Like how yeah, bad do you have to take year, a crap? This is the year that people with bidets really thrived because they didn't have to worry about purchasing a lot of toilet paper. You know, bidets are great, by the way. I would like to shamelessly plug bidets in. What's the days? Bidets. Ah, uh, bidets. Yo, yeah. keep, in mind, keep in mind, I live in Europe. So obviously yeah. bidets are huge out here. Um, yeah. Sorry. Here's like the way you mentioned it, it sounded like bidets and like, as in like bedazzle, like oh, that's no, what no, I was. No, yeah, my apologies. Uh, no, no, no. So uh, yeah, bidet, so B-I-D-E-T, yeah. which is the yeah. uh, the butt cleaning system, yeah. which on a very, very side note, Japanese are far ahead. Have you ever had a Japanese toilet? I've never, but I envy them. I, Bro, it's I absolutely it. incredible. I hear it warms your butt too. Yeah. You can choose the temperature, the, the, the pressure, the, all of this stuff. And it, yeah, no, anyways. This is technology, man. This is technology. (laughs) This is, this is human innovation. And this is the things that we should be applauding because this is elevating us to a new, a new level. I mean, it's 2021 now and we're still washing our butts with paper. Come on. Yeah. Where is that? Where's that uh, hoverboard uh, skateboard from uh, back to the future and shit like that? (laughs) Where where are our flying cars, man? Who killed the flying car? (laughs) (laughs) But, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, Yeah. So it was very interesting kind of how that stuff did, but I think it was because of the, it was like an apocalypse mentality. And I think what people are starting to realize as the year goes on is like, this is real. This is something that's not going anywhere. Um, We have to learn how to live. And I think that now, obviously people are starting to get a little bit more ballsy saying, why are we doing lockdowns? We should be trying to find ways to live with it or trying to find ways to live around it, which, you know, in partial, I actually agree with. Um, But I would say that now, obviously with the vaccine coming, now yeah. this is going to be a big conversation. I can imagine actually from you, I don't know if you, have you had the conversation with your girlfriend about vaccination? Has she been reached to about vaccination? Has she, is, is she vaccinating? She's vaccinating. Yes. 100% um, vaccinating as well. Everybody in my family are going to go. Are well, no, I'm, I'm not talking about the hype. I'm not talking about the hypothetical, but because oh. she's a nurse, she gets first dibs. That's right. Yeah. So, um, in Ontario, because it's in Canada, it's broken down provincially. In Ontario, we've already run out of all the vaccines and she oh, has not right. yet got, gotten the vaccine yet. But there's Crap. supposed to be I 20 think, million. 20 million. 20, uh, no, 40 million doses yeah. across across both Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, which should uh, uh, properly immunize 20 million people, which is about two thirds of the population. Exactly. By the end of the year. Exactly. And that's the hope. But right now we've already run out of all the vaccines and we're waiting for another order next week. Right. Um, she's expected to get vaccinated within the first three weeks nice. of January. So hopefully, hopefully um, uh, for myself, I don't know. I have no idea when it's going to come. I'm just, I was eagerly waiting for it, obviously. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's just the first sign of like things going back to normal. I, if you can even like wrap your head around what normal is again. You know, well, that's, I think that's the other thing I was going to mention too is, uh, and I've mentioned this to a few people that I think people need to stop saying the word normal because unfortunately, 
Um, you need to scrap whatever idea, image, um, and, and perception of what you had of normal from before, because in all reality, normal is not going to be the same. Yeah, you know, uh, the fact that we're introducing a vaccine um, yep. that's going that's going to likely be used for a lot of people. I think one of the things that I've been hearing too is um, very likely if you want to travel, if you want to attend a concert, if you want to attend a, a sports match, or any of those things, very likely. Um, they're going to say that you would have had to been vaccinated or have proof yep. of vaccination. Um, and at the very least, um, maybe a COVID test prior to entrance. Uh, yep. I think that, I think that's the transitionary stage right now is they're talking about the, the, the rapid COVID testing in order to get yep. into them. But I definitely see long-term in 2022, for example, I can definitely see that being a, a requirement in order cards, to do that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, and as my, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's global control or, you know, government control and things like that. But it's like, listen, there's Stop too it. many. No, I get it. But there's too many people that are being affected by this. You know, I understand. I understand where conspiracies come from. I understand how they're formed. I actually, yep. as, a, as a previous, you know, science graduate having my Bachelor of Sciences, I understand that, you know, you need people to challenge what people are defining as the truth. So I'm fine with that. And I'm fine if a conspiracist says, no, this is this, or a person who doesn't define themselves as a conspiracist, they're just playing devil's advocate and being like, you know, this is, this is not what it should be. And I, but if I ask you, okay, why explain to me, and you, you can't give me a logical explanation or understanding, you know, when you're speaking, I'm sorry. It's just, it's difficult for me to, you know, understand and trust what you're saying because you're just, you're and it. And it's understandable. It's fear, right? Like a lot of people are very scared of the times right now. Exactly. But you know, what I've also seen a lot of is, is division, constant division and hatred amongst the other side. And I think the divide has gotten so big um, and it shamelessly and and a lot of people that disobey the lockdowns or the social protocols or any of the health guidances, they do it with such a defiance that it's, it's, it's really harmful to everybody else. And, and, and it really doesn't enlighten the discourse that we have for collective health, you know, for public health. This is a public health emergency. You know, no one's out here trying to take away your rights, you know? Yep. Nobody wants to be in this yeah. as much as you don't want to be in this, but we yeah. have to just stay the course. If we all were unified in this fight together for the long haul, I think we would have been out of this a lot sooner. You know, we wouldn't have maybe, but we wouldn't have been this stringently locked down. We wouldn't have had, you know, for example, the U S Capitol. No, I mean, we won't start that conversation, to be honest. Uh, no, but we wouldn't have anti-maskers on Block TO every now and then and, and altercations like this. And it's just like, it's kind of disheartening to see because there are people that are just trying to live their lives and comply to the public health guidelines to stay safe. And there are people that are actively trying to dissuade them from that. And calling them sheep and calling, yeah, saying hurtful things. And, and that is one thing that I think has illuminated a lot in, in 2020 is the amount of disbelief and trust in governments and, and social protocols and all that stuff. And I yeah. think it's mainly because a lot of people are frustrated after months and months and months of lockdown. And I can, I can 
totally. It's frust- but it's not even just frustration, man. It, it, it's fear. Like that's what it yeah. is. It's fear. That's why. And that's, and I, I, there's a lot of things I do agree with. Um, just to kind of bring this to a lot, there's a lot of things that I really do agree with when it comes to people saying that the media have been taking this and running with it. And they've, I think the media have a responsibility to be telling facts. And I yep. really hope that with the division that happened in the United States and North America in general, that's kind of been created. I think that a lot of the other countries in the world haven't had that type of division. You got like the North America has really been the highest affected when it comes to a division. Um, obviously there are, there are conspiracy conspiracists and people that, choose not to believe and anti-maskers in all countries. I think, I think there's a gathering of people that are like that, but we have to remember that there are a few things that are also feeding that narrative, right? Like you have to remember that social media with their algorithms are also helping facilitate. Yeah. Yeah. They're helping facilitate and motivate that to continue unintentionally. Right. That's the thing. And then, and then the other thing is that when somebody's scared, like uh, look at, for example, science experiments with like, I don't know if you've ever seen, I think it was in, uh, I want to say fast and the furious where like they put a rat inside of a hot pail and then they heated it up when you're scared shitless and you don't know where you are, what you're doing or how, what's going on and whether you're going to ever survive again. And that's basically how everybody feels. You know, you can feel the heat you can, and you think you're going to die. So your first thought is what can I do to try to make this better situation? Some people, it's to just completely disbelieve everything that's being told to them because they just, they want to deny the fact that any of it's happening. You know what? They want to dissociate themselves. For example, there's some people that have, if they have bad moments in their lives, their way to get rid of it is to completely dissociate themselves, go on vacation, sit on a beach for a week instead of handling whatever problem maybe they might be dealing with for them an escape is what they're after. Right? So it, it kind of does. Yeah. It's an, it's a situation we're in a situation basically where people are facilitating their own fear and by facilitating their own fear, they're creating even more fear. And then they're creating all of these different opinions and different conspiracies and all of this stuff. So I, this is where I like, for me, I, I believe everybody's entitled to what they want to think. But that being said, I think people need to think about, think about being more rational and just understanding, you know, if you have somebody who's preaching, um, who's preaching vaccination and things like that. And you want more details, just ask the questions. You know, I had a friend of mine comment the other day and I posted a a vaccination thing. Like, absolutely. I'm getting vaccinated. I said it. And then she was like, but aren't you worried about the long-term health effects? And I was like, I never really thought about the long-term health effects to be perfectly honest. Like you have to remember that the red tape and the amount of things that they have to go, the, the stages and the phases and the things like that, that they have to go through in order to properly certify a vaccine is incredibly long and incredibly difficult. But so like, you got to remember that there like there are scientists that dedicate their entire lives right. and doctors and things like that to this stuff. There are, you know, I think the, one of the biggest posts just to, I'll bring it back to you and you can, and you can mention after, but um, the biggest post that I saw that was really, really hit me really hard, especially as somebody who studies sciences was when somebody said a person went to undergrad, did four years of undergrad two years of, a, of, a, of their graduate degree, four years of a master's, uh, three years of a PhD, uh, five years of a, of a, research, a, re- a research project or a research assign, um, uh, um, thing, uh, studying whatever a disease or whatever it is, uh, two years uh, cer- certifying that paper and peer reviewing that journal uh, to eventually have it approved. And, that so- and then someone says that 
so-and-so is in science, in science, whatever that statement may be. And all it takes is one person who's never, never seen education, a proper education system ever to say, no, don't believe that. And it's like, how? I'm yeah. sorry. Like, how can you deny someone who has like 11, 12 years worth of school expertise, dedicated all that? Yeah, exactly. Expertise. Like if a banker told you, you're going to go bankrupt in your yeah. business, unless you do such and such and such. Do you, do you look at the banker and be like, no, screw you. And then you just wait for yourself to go ba- bankrupt. I mean, I'm sure there are. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, that kind of attitude has ignited a lot in this pandemic. Yeah. Like a lot of times when a lot of people say to do one thing, they jump the other way. They say, go right. Go. They, people have gone left. Yeah. And one thing, like as a man of, of science, I think you can appreciate this. And I, this is something I've come across. My, uh, a friend of mine is a doctor and he said, one of the best things we could have hoped for in a global crisis, you know, was the world coming together and trying to find a solution. Right. In this, in this instance, the global crisis was this global pandemic and the entire world, the top and brightest minds, the doctors, the scientists, they all came together from every different parts of the world to find a solution to this. Mm -hmm. And we needed to just buy them time with these lockdowns, but they've done it. They've come together in record time for a vaccine and they, you know, they didn't cut in any corners. They did every safety thing because this was such a necessity they brought all their skills, their expertise, their knowledge, everything together to create this for us. And people disbelieve it. And like, I understand the skepticism with injecting something in your body and, yeah. and whatnot. But then again, at the same time, like if people are going on cheat meals every, every weekend and eating burgers and fries and all that you have stuff. You to take care of your health in a regular way as well. Exactly. Agreed. Like, this is something that like we, everything is transparent. You can see every bit of data. You can see the entire ingredient list. It's just like, why would you disbelieve it? What would, this could end all our problems. Yeah, but it's just fear. But I I have to say, um, just to bring the vaccine conversation to the end is that um, I've actually don't get my, my flu shot. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like I don't get my flu shot. Um, I kind of grew up that way. My mom kind of taught me that not because I don't believe in, in, in shots. Cause I believe that immunization is, is completely, but I never got my flu shot because, um, I didn't see the point in getting a small flu to avoid a big flu. You know what I mean? Like right. if I'm going to get the flu once, once or twice a year, I'm going to get the flu once or twice a year. Why do I have to get a shot? You know what I mean? But that yep. being said, um, I definitely think that, you know, this one would probably be one that I would do, especially with the fact that it'd become a necessity. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that, uh, I think that people should just think for yourself. If you're not, if you're someone who doesn't believe in it, that's fine. But just recognize that, um, everybody in the world is likely going to apply that to functioning and traveling and going to certain events and things like that. So you have to be ready for that. I really do find, and just, just bouncing off your point a little bit about the flu and the format in which, or the medical technology in which they use to vaccinate you against the flu, the adenovirus, which is like a small piece of the virus that gives you like a, a small bit of the flu. Um, these new vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, which are brand new, um, never been used before. It's incredible. The technology is incredible because it shows our capabilities of uh, working with genetics and genetics and everything have been a, such a huge thing in science. And I'm sure you can yeah. attest to it. Yeah, uh, It's been a challenging thing. And, and to a point where now we can, you know, um, 
control the genetics of singular cell organisms and viruses yeah. um, can be really beneficial for us. Um, yeah. Because that way, you know, you can, you can stop a lot of the side effects. You can stop yourself from getting sick entirely if you genetically codify it. And I'm not a scientist by any means, but the idea and the logic behind it made a lot of sense to me that you would put the genetic code to create the own spike proteins. And then your body realizes and recognizes that uh, inherently. And yeah. you have an almost like an inherent immune defense against this coronavirus. And, right. and who knows how effective it could be against all their coronaviruses, right? Because COVID-19 isn't just one, isn't one, it's a novel coronavirus, but it is a strain of coronaviruses. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just so, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, know? no, I mean, I've, I've always found science fascinating. And to be honest, that's why I've embraced it. Um, I mentioned it in the last one, um, just for positivity. Um, in one of my podcast episodes, I mentioned it. I was saying that, you know, one of the biggest things that I did during the the pandemic, especially with things that passed throughout the year of division when it came to BLM and things like that is that, you know, my biggest, um, my biggest thing that I decided to do was I would share things that only I thought was factual. So if I thought, thought something was factual, then I would share it. But then if someone refuted it or told me, like for whatever reason that it's not true and they were able to prove it and they argued or discussed it with me and they, and they said something valid and I, I processed it, then absolutely. Then I would remove it because for me, it's, there's no reason for to have false or negative information up there. And I think Facebook is also getting better at the fact checking. I know there's a lot of, you know, conspiracy about that as well, about certain things being fact checked versus others. Not, and I know it's a massive thing, I think eventually the governments are going to have to step in and tell Facebook how to properly do that because it's uh the there's just a point where you cannot you cannot have a, a private company allowing messages to come out but that's a completely different conversation that's a but, huge can of worms yeah. you know government regulation on private private enterprises that but it's but it's people's opinion it's people's opinion and it's also it, like this is the problem is you have people you have white supremacists that are putting up ads yeah. you have you have all this stuff that's going on and it's just going to, it's going to happen with social media. And the more we advance further into technology, the more influence and the more, you know, presence of opinions from your average Joe Schmo that lives wherever, uh, can put his opinion on blast, right? Like you can watch somebody with a mega hat, talk about absolutely nothing, you know, and absolute bullshit. And there are people that will listen. And then the problem is that people will take that as information that is true. So, to an extent, you kind of have to have the government or somebody to regulate it to say, listen, this is false information, but you can listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, in my opinion, I think the onus is on the, the social media corporations for that. Um, but I think, I think there should be some government regulation. And I know a lot of people that I know are like, are very much, you know, small government and all that stuff. But I think there should be because we've seen the recourse of, you know, there's some good things that can come out of social media. Yeah. Um, and there are some really terrible things that could come out of social media. I mean, one example, the Arab Spring, right? Back in 2011, 2012 area when, you know, all these um, Middle Eastern countries started revolting against their oppressive governments. It started on social media. Yeah. And Even the big one in Turkey this past one, you saw one, that big yeah. one. The big one in, in Turkey. A lot of 
new rights and new accomplishments have started through discussion on social media, connection on social media. But the flip side of that is, and the other extreme, it really just, you know, showcases the two extremes of the world. Yeah. The other extreme is, you know, the U.S. Capitol being, um, being overrun by a bunch of fascists, you know? Yeah. That's in, it's incredible. And like the damage that could come from that is, is incredible, but the progress that can also come from that is also incredible. So it's just, it's just a matter of finding a good balance Agreed. and being able to protect ourselves from misinformation. Cause we've, I think in 2020, one thing that has been really revealed to me, despite it all is how dangerous misinformation can be. Absolutely. You know? It spreads like wildfire. Exactly. It's almost more infectious than the coronavirus, the misinformation. And it's been going on for years and years and years. And it's really troubling to me that a lot of misinformation have circulated well enough to really change the opinions on a lot of things and change, change governments, change influencers, change people who are in power, you know, a lot of people, but again, you know, there are goods and there are bads. And I think what social media and Twitter have really done. I don't think they have, I don't think they have um, found a good balance of the goods and the bads because I feel like there's a lot of extremes and there's a lot of extremes on one side and the other. It's supposed to be free speech, right? So that's the problem exactly. is when you have free speech and definitely free speech is allowed. Like if you want to speak utter gibberish and speak fiction, cool. But you should also like, there's a reason why fiction, like books are called fictional or non-fictional. So it's like, there's a clear distinction of what is fact and what is fiction, right? Like it's not a, it's not a, I mean, it's in, in some cases it can be a discussion or an argument, but in other cases it's very clear and it's refuted. And if you're, if if somebody refutes you with some clear facts, you can't just be like, no, I don't believe that. That's not my truth. I think one of my most annoying things that I heard was like my truth. I'm sorry, but there's truth and there's false. Like, exactly. No, I get it. Maybe, maybe we're trying to figure out what is true and what is false. I agree with you on that. You know, certain, certain aspects of information can have degrees and levels of falsity and, and truth. Absolutely. But alternative facts. Yeah. Alternative facts. And my truth is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. But um, I mean, just to bring it, just to bring it to the end of the year, I mean, obviously uh, with things kind of going on. um, So you went, you went through the pandemic and then obviously now in the latter ends of the year, um, I guess you, nothing's really changed. You're still working. Have you gone back to Home Depot? Now you're working back in, in, in Home Depot now, or how's the end of the year gone? You know what? The end of the year hasn't been so bad, you know? Um, obviously I've, we've kind of just normalized the way we live now True. Um, in quarantine, not going out as much, not partying, you know, all that stuff. It's just more yeah. like I was able to, I think by the end of the year, really focus on myself and my, yeah. my mental health has been really strong. My nutrition has been really, I think I will applaud myself for that. Yeah, me, um, me too. And my, and my physical health. And, you know, we've, I've come to a point, we've come to a point in, in, in my life where uh, Julia, you know, uh, God, God bless her soul. She gets tested every other, every other day, gets a thing stuck up her nose and then gets, you know, a negative test. And when I, we get that negative test, we can see each other and it's great. And, we got to spend some more time because we know how to live amongst this pandemic. Yeah. And I think that's what we were able to really hone 
Um, and my mother too, you know, she's able to enjoy various different things in her life now that she couldn't during the beginning of the year. Um, and now 2021, it's just like, now that I've able to really get a hold of my mental health, now yeah. that I've been really able to get a hold of my physical health and my relationships that really mean a lot to me and was what I've really noticed. Right. It's now, I think it's my job to apply that to, to whatever I'm doing, physical health, um, maybe, maybe run a marathon when everything opens up again, or I feel that or climb, yeah. or climb a mountain or a thing. <laughs> and I've climbed one mountain before, but I want to climb a bigger mountain. And, um, my mental health is to be confident and be ambitious on new projects. Uh, one thing that, that I've always, always wanted to do was, was, you know, have a podcast. Ah, cool. And one, another thing was to, you know, go to law school. And I think maybe this is an opportunity now that I have all this time at home. I can hone my ideas, my ambitions together and, and maybe achieve something great in 2021. Um, especially now being the age that I am now starting to gray. I think it's time. I think it's time. You're I think 27. I'm, shut up. <laughs> I, it feels, I, you know what, man? 27 i feel like i'm i'm aging hard every single day but it's totally fine man we're gonna like by the time we even reach that age we're guaranteed we'll be living to 110 120 so shut up yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but then that's like i remind people that like yeah going into 2021 it's great to hear that you know you're you're excited that you have some good ideas for goals and aspirations it's the same thing for me and i think a lot of people have that as well um but I, i think i mean you also have to just look at it and be like, you have, we have a lot of life left, you know? So as much as, you know, I know even, even if you're 60, even if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're 60, 70, you still have a guaranteed probably 20 years, maybe 10 years, you know, it depends yep. on your health. I understand that that's varying, but you know, at any point, really at any age, you still have tons of time to kind of, you know, so as much as like we're losing some time right now because of a, a pandemic, that's nothing you can control. So don't yep. shoot yourself in the foot. Don't think yourself, you know, don't knock yourself out. I mean, you're looking at yourself, you're 27, like I'm 30. It's like both of us, age is literally such a, uh, it should never even be a factor. It's not a factor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only saying that for jokes. One of the the more specific goal that I've really wanted to do um, this year, and I hope we get the opportunity to do it. Um, In 2019, I climbed um, a mountain the Rockies with Julia. Uh, and we only made it so far up to a point where it's called the big beehive. And it was okay. a beautiful lookout. There's a higher point, um, a lot more challenging, a little bit more, you know, thinner air up there. It's called the devil's thumb. And I think, yeah. I hope I get the opportunity to do that because cool. I've, I just feel like this entire year, like I've prepared myself physically just to handle something like that. <laughs> so I hope I get to do that and climb that mountain. It'd be kind of like a nice symbolic, way to start the year uh or to go through the year that you know i was yeah. able to accomplish one one physical goal at least yeah um so yeah i think there's that i just think this is the year where everything i was able to hone and, and focus on i'm able to apply um and just you know embark on and yeah. i and i hope i get to do that obviously there's so many things that are out of my control man if you want it to happen it'll happen that's the thing exactly. is if you want if you really want, and I think that's the thing to take away from 2020, and I've been saying it many, many times, I'm going to consistently say it as we keep talking about stories of 2020, is that, you know, 
if you want something to happen, it can. It's just that you have to make sure you take the right steps in order to make it happen. If you're somebody who's been working on little hills and things like that now, and you want to walk that mountain, definitely. Yep. I mean, I did a, I mean, Switzerland is also very mountainous, very similar to, you know, Western Canada. And uh, I did a 15.4 kilometer hike. I think it was something like 1800, uh, maybe 1500 meters of, of elevation. And I yep. did it by myself. I mean, I was all by myself. I bought all the hiking equipment before I came out here uh, over the fall. And then in September, October, I think it was in, sorry, August, September, I decided I was going to go do that hike. And it was fun and it was really kind of something, but uh, if it's something that you want to do, then do it, you know, or set or set yeah. the mindset and start making the steps to make it happen. I definitely agree. You know what? There's one thing I got to say, and this is probably for everybody who's probably going to listen to this. Yeah. Um, if you have a goal, I think a lot of people should stop worrying about the degree of the goal, you know, the intensity of the goal. You know, if your goal is to run one kilometer nonstop, and that's it. Do it and label that as an accomplishment because you accomplished yeah. it. You just have to stop worrying about what other people are, are, are doing. You know, you're not in a competition, just be in a competition with yourself. You put out a challenge for yourself. I hope that you can accomplish that challenge no matter how long it takes. I know people who climb Mount Everest, but that's not my goal. You know, I don't yeah. think I could ever, maybe eventually one day, but if I'm going to climb this hill, then that's a big accomplishment for me. Yeah. I, I want people to be happy with the things that they accomplish. Yeah. One of the main things about mental health is, you know, a lot of people like to say that, you know, they're not good enough. They're not able to, they're not capable or they're not, you know, they're not accomplishing enough. And that really seeds into the other mindset. Of, exactly. And so I think one of the best ways to combat that is to be happy about the things that you have accomplished and that know that, you know, you can control time in yeah. that sense, you know, that it, if it takes you four weeks to run one kilometer, who cares? Yeah. You still did it. You know, if it takes you, uh, three months to get your driver's license, who cares? You still yeah. did it. You know, if it takes you, you know, a whole year to just kick off one, one thing, let's stop smoking or, Stop Whatever eating French fries for myself, you know, <laughs> you did it, you know, and I just think people need to focus on the fact that they did the thing they set themselves up to do. Yeah. And no matter how big, no matter how small it's important and it's, and you did it for yourself and that's what's most important of all. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, um, I think definitely just people need just to start having such, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm really bad at that is setting really high expectations in myself and high, big goals. And then I recently, what I've been trying to teach myself is to break them down into smaller steps, into smaller accomplishments. Um, very, very minute ones. You know, I made some mention, um, atomic habits is a book by James clear, a massive read. I would recommend nice. it if you, um, really good read. And it talks about, you know, making very, very small goals and accomplishing them in order to reach a long-term goal. Um, and yeah. that kind of allows you to reach those, that, 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 um, those accomplishments that you want to do. And at the end of the day, everybody has their own, you know, certain people are motivated differently. Certain people uh, respond differently to whatever type of task that you're, you're doing. So I think you can't judge yourself based on others. The exactly. one reason why I started this podcast though, is just to hear people struggling through the same things. And that's one of the things I wanted. That's why I wanted to invite, um, 
literally anybody who I used to be friends with, you know, yeah. spend time with, um, in the past, because uh, I, I, we haven't talked in, in a bit, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think we've really even had like, I wouldn't even think it's like some very, very serious conversations, but we've had, we've been like amicable yeah. co-workers and we know, you know, a little bit about each other. We see each other on social media and, um, and yeah, as you mentioned, like we share certain, certain opinions that are they're similar, but at the end of the day, you know, understanding that your story was very, you know, very, uh, I would say it's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like glorious, but yeah. you had, you know, you had two, no, but I mean, it's like, it's not like you were Rocky this year or anything yeah. like your story isn't like that you accomplished this amazing thing. But the fact that you went through what we all went through, which was the COVID pandemic that, you know, you had your girlfriend that you, who worked as a nurse that you couldn't see that, you know, you had your mom who, who was immunocompromised that you were working two jobs that you had to work from home. Um, that you went later into the year that now you're working from, you're working through both jobs still, um, going into the new year, you've, you know, you've, you've taken away some accomplishments, some goals, some, some capabilities, because originally you probably thought you were only capable of a, you know, but from, you know, same for us, you know, we come out with some better mental health, personal health, all these different things. So, um, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was, uh, it was good, just good to chat and just kind of catch up. Um, yeah, obviously some of the episodes that I'm going to have are going to be much more like, again, much more focused on the person. So I'm going to be more focused on the story, depending on the different people, but no, I I was glad. And I'm really happy that you came on. Um, any final thoughts before we, uh, we bring the episode to the end. You know what, uh, despite that we're in a pandemic, I just want to say to everybody, you know, the world's your oyster and you can do anything that you, you set your mind to. And I really, really mean that. And I think in 2020, despite everything that was going on, I think I was able to capture that idea, you know, that you can really be in control of your mental health. You can be really in control of your physical health. You have the tools necessary and that tools necessary is your willpower. And that's it. Amen, man. Awesome. Well, uh, again, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, to everybody listening, thank you very much for listening to us rant about random stuff, uh, during this pandemic. I think ultimately, you know, maybe, maybe this wasn't exactly the episode that you thought it would be. Um, I think at the end of the day, discussing, you know, the vaccine, um, lockdown and all of that stuff, eventually it's going to grow old and people are going to kind of, we're going to forget about 2020. But, uh, for now, you know, that's, that's the purpose of this podcast is really just to hear about how different people real people, real conversations of what we went through, through that crazy year of 2020. Happy that it's on to 2021. And again, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, um, really appreciate it. Um, looking forward to sharing another story with you next, uh, next episode. Uh, so until then, thank you very much for showing up and, uh, have yourselves a great day.